Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Um, thank you so much for joining us here today and happy Father's Day, if you're watching this on Father's Day. Um, I know it's just like Mother's Day, you know, Father's Day can be a difficult day for folks and uh, we understand that, but we also wanna celebrate and honor uh, the dads that are out there. We know how big of a deal it is to be a father. And so um, happy Father's Day and hope that is a day of celebrating um, your dad. Um, and hopefully you can do that if it's a tough day. Um, as well, know that we are just praying with you in the midst of it and um, understand the complexity of holidays like this. Uh, if you are joining with us for uh, the first time, my name is John Wagler. I'm part of this Hill City team. And again, just so grateful that you're tuning in here to um, be a part of our community and uh, come jump in on this series that we're doing in the book of Mark. Mark is one of the four gospels which detail out the life and teachings of Jesus. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark was the first one that was written and actually um, Matthew and Luke in particular use, and a little bit of John too, use a lot of the information that Mark had written down and, and use that as a base for some of the things that they did um, in their portrait of Jesus. And so we're just, uh, we're digging into this this book for the next several uh, months, honestly. We're going to go straight through the end of August, maybe even the first week of September, um, and see if we can get done with the book or not. I'm not even totally sure at this point, um, but we're just kind of working through chapter by chapter and maybe even some point section by section uh, to give us a deeper understanding of who Jesus is, to allow us to learn more about Jesus, learn more about what his kingdom and being a part of his kingdom uh, really means uh, for our lives. And so if you haven't uh, watched the first four weeks, um, it'd be good to go catch up. And we're, we're going to be in Mark chapter four today. So it'd be good to go back and catch up and uh, as we've talked about before, um, if you've got questions, um, you can email those questions in to curious at hillcityrva.com, curious at hillcityrva.com. Uh, and then midweek, uh, Matt and I on our podcast called Stay Curious, we're we're, we're anything that we're missing uh, during the sermon or we didn't cover because we can't cover every single verse, we're looking at some other things uh, on that podcast and are happy to answer any questions that you have. So um, let's jump in now to week number five. And uh, I want to start off by just talking about listening. Um, there is a beauty, right, when you sit with someone and listen. Um, you know what listening does? Listening shows and secures love between people. And so being a good listener is is like pivotal relationally. Like if you're not a good listener, your relationships fall apart. A lot of times, even when I do marriage counseling with people and I sit down and I can watch the dynamic and I'm like, oh, you guys aren't really listening to one another. You're just kind of like appeasing one another rather than being like good, humble, active listeners. And, and so it's important uh, to be a good listener. Um, we all have had conversations with people where you're like, oh my gosh, you're the best listener and it changes everything doesn't it you probably have an example or someone's like coming to your mind right away about um man i can remember this person in my life where they were like such a good listener i had a um a dear friend who has since passed away um, but he was like such a good listener uh, when we'd be sharing stuff and the way he interacted with me and and uh, the act of listening and the way he just kind of approached uh, an entire conversation uh, really added depth to our relationship and really allowed me to feel like, oh, you're actually really engaged here. You're relationally, you're, you're in on this. And so listening is such a, a beautiful thing. Um, you know when we all are really great listeners? When someone tells us a secret. And so even when you, even like as an adult, right? 
We all probably into an embarrassing way get a little amped up when someone's about to tell a secret because you, we start feeling like, oh, I'm on the inside of this. And so I want to hear everything. I want to listen to everything. And so we get pretty amped on this idea of like, I'm going to learn a secret. And um, because again, it's some to all of us, right? It feels good to be an insider, to, to know things. And, and so um, when we approach these uh teachings of Jesus in uh, this next section of Mark, um, we're going to see this little shift begin to happen where where it seems like Jesus is like dividing people into insiders and outsiders. And there's a little bit of that, um, but you're going to see this dynamic change over the next several weeks that we begin to read through the book of Mark that what ends up happening is those that think they're on the inside are actually on the outside. And those that are typically viewed as outsiders are actually on the inside. And we start seeing this throughout all these different um, teachings that Jesus has. And so um, what I want us to be able to do is to be great listeners to Jesus. You're going to see in this parable um, here today where he talks, he's like, listen, and to those who have ears to hear, you're going to hear this around listening um, really well. And so the main idea simply for this morning is this, that the people who know Jesus the best listen with humility, consistency, and intentionality. All right. People who know Jesus the best listen with humility, consistency, and intentionality. Intentionality. So up to this point, Jesus has actually been talking about that the kingdom of God is near. And then this pivot starts to happen starting here in Mark chapter 4, where he begins to talk about what the kingdom of God is actually like. And so you'll start seeing that phrasing start happening uh, a little bit more. And he starts talking in these parables. Um, there aren't a lot of teachings in Mark. Um, there are in Matthew and Luke and John. Um, but in the teachings that we started seeing, he talks in these parables. And parables were were stories intended to create tension. Uh, there were parables uh, intended to um, those that could actually hear them, they're like, ah, the illustration makes sense. But those that didn't have the ears to hear, it became problematic. It becomes confusing. Um, Jesus would teach in this way because it made people examine their hearts. And if your heart wasn't right, you couldn't fully take in what Jesus was teaching. Um, but if your heart was in the, the right posture and you were ready to listen, um, then you could see what Jesus actually was trying to say to you. And so the same thing holds true uh, for us right now. And here's what's really cool about this passage. Um, Jesus uh, wants to give us the secret or secrets to the kingdom of God. How cool is that? So can you imagine Jesus being like, all right, y'all, I've, I've got a secret for you. And as he would lean in and say that, you could, you could see that People would be like, whoa, whoa, I want to listen to this. You're telling me I get the secrets of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus would be placing this before us. And so let's go to Mark chapter 4. And um, we're going to start there in verse 1. This is a little bit longer passage. And so um, here's what it begins. It says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd, all right, we see the crowd. I, we're going to see this happen a lot where it references the crowd, the crowd getting big or Jesus trying to get away from the crowd. And, and it's always important even for us right now that we understand what crowd we're a part of. Are we a crowd that is um, part of a crowd that's like submitted to the things of Jesus? Are we a part of uh, a grouping of people that understand, you know, like cross-shaped character uh, of Jesus and, and understand what that really means? Because the crowd, just because there are, there's a crowd on something doesn't mean that it's right or doesn't mean that it's helpful or doesn't mean that it's fruitful or doesn't mean that it actually aligns with the things of Jesus. So it's always important to pay attention to what the crowd is doing. But the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat 
and sat in it out on the lake. Um, let me pause here again. Um, just for this is like a little nugget. Um, one of the underlying teachings about water uh, throughout like ancient history was that the water always represented chaos and that um, the calming of water, um, that only like a God could do that. So even like some language where like Jesus is walking on the water, when Jesus um, calms the storm, or even here where it's like Jesus is teaching on a lake, it is setting this example and setting this reality of um, uh, that, that he is above, like he's like, God, he's creator God, that he can calm the storm, he can calm the waters, he can sit on a lake. And I get it, he's on a boat, but it's language that the listener would have paid special attention to. So he's out on the lake while the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by, there's a parables, right? And it's in his teaching, he said, listen, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed and the farmer being God, right? And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. In verse five, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil, but the, um, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, verse 8 here, still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, 60, and some 100, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to ear, hear, let them hear. That becomes important. It's like, if you have ears to hear, and if we're listening properly with humility, with consistency, with intentionality, then we'll hear what Jesus has for us. But if we don't, we're going to miss it. Continues on in verse 10. He says, And when he was alone, um, so he gathers like the twelve and the others around him and asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that... They may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding, and otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Now, it sounds like right at this point that Jesus is like, hey, I'm trying to talk confusing to people so that um, if they're on the outside of our little inner circle, they're going to be so confused and they won't ever be forgiven. But he's actually not doing that. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 6, um, Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures. And in Isaiah chapter 6, here's what happens. People have turned away from God. Um, in Isaiah chapter 5, it talks about that um, God had cultivated this new vineyard. And what ended, happen what ended up happening was the, the fruit got rotten and the wine wasn't being produced that should have been. And so he is sitting there saying like, hey, he's quoting chapter 6 of Isaiah, not to say he was trying, he's trying to confuse people. He's just saying, hey, those that think that they're on the inside, they're actually going to be confused by these parables. Those that think that they're actually good are going to be confused by these parables and not actually hear what they, they're supposed to hear because they're not cultivating the right things, okay? So in verse 13, he says, Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? So he's trying to get, Are you really listening? Do you have ears to hear? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word, meaning the word of God. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes 
and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, they hear the word at once and they receive it with joy. In verse 17, but since they have no root, it's that shallow ground, that um, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes um, because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like the seed sown among the thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and it chokes the word. It makes it unfruitful. And others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times um, what was sown. And so I want to, I'm just going to go through the, the four soils, okay, um, today. And here's what's really important. It's are we listening properly? Because if we're listening properly, we'll begin to see what soil we actually have and um, what's really being cultivated in us. And so the first soil um, that um, Jesus talks about here, um, it's a soil that Satan snatches. We'll just say it that way. All right, so Satan snatches the soil. Now that sounds pretty dramatic off the top and, and everything. And they're like, and even like how we begin to picture this, is it's like, well, so we hear the word of God and... Um, is Satan really like lurking around the corner? And it's like, oh, we hear someone pre preach a, a Bible verse and all of a sudden it's Satan like, ah, right? And he comes around the corner and it's like, it's gone. You know, or is, does he like uh, men in black us somehow? Or does it, you know, with like a little things like, hey, look at this pen and, and it's gone. Is that how Satan works? And, you know, we don't see that um, how it, in scripture, it's not Satan doesn't work by the individual. Satan works within systems, uh, within crowds, within movements, okay? That that's um, how Satan actually works. I shared with our team um, on a Wednesday night, we had an all-in night, uh, worship night, and just some stuff for the, the team. And um, I shared to them, I said, hey, listen, always pay attention to movements. Whatever the movements that are going on, there are a lot of them um, that are out there, and they have like big narratives and big voices and everything. Always pay attention to the movements because Satan begins to work within the context of any movement. That could be a church, that could be um, a government, that could be any kind of political movement or justice movement or whatever. In these movements, here's what happens, that if a movement or a grouping of people is not submitted to cross-shaped character, is not submitted to the things of Jesus, eventually what will happen is Satan will begin to work in a way, eventually become demonic, eventually you'll have like false prophets rising up of it, eventually you will steer away from all of the things of Jesus and you'll look back and you're like, how did I get to this point? That's what happens. And so when it talks about Satan snatching, it's like talking about how Satan works and, um, and, and what, how does he step into these systems? How does he step into the cultures? Like, even when you think about uh, um, social media, right? It's like the breeding ground for um, Satan to work within this entire system. And we see all of these different things of what, in, what ends up happening within that. But we, what we also see in scripture is that you can resist the devil. Um, that you can flee from the devil, that you can understand the devil's schemes. Like that's all part of, of scripture. And, and, and I wrote this down because I think it's important around this point of soil number one. We can't resist evil if we are resisting the cross-shaped character of Jesus. All right? The cross-shaped character of Jesus, when you think about the cross, we think victory over sin and evil, forgiveness of sin. We think incredible generosity, 
We think an unbelievable grace, unbelievable love, unbelievable kindness, right? All of these things about, that's what humility, um, like through that weakness that it looked like it was weak, Jesus being up on that cross, but it was through that weakness and through that humility that the, the power and the resurrection of life came out of that, right? Which, which goes against how we see power um, here on this earth. That's the cross-shaped character of Jesus. And so in that context, um, we resist the devil when we're when we're when we're able to like engage the cross-shaped character of Jesus. But when we start thinking about like the devil and his schemes and everything and systematically how does it work? Well, he works kind of in in three in, you know in particular like big ways. It's through deception, through distraction, and through division. That's how how the that's how Satan works. Like through deception, through distraction, through um, division. Deception. Um, even when you think about how it can be manipulated, it can be just little distortion of truth. It's just little things. It sounds good, but, but little by little, it's like deceiving people. I mean, when this happens, again, like we just use like some movements that are happening right now. It looks good because it feels like it's justice, but things are twisted and it's not really about Jesus. And so if it's not really about Jesus, eventually, it becomes about the self, right? And so it's like just a little deceiving um, that begins to happen. When we see about um, uh, distraction, like think about how easy it is to just be distracted by things. Um, the reason why I've always joked, and maybe it's not even a joke about social media being like the devil's playground, is it's we're always so distracted by it, by our screen. The hours we look at our screen, the, uh, the, the things that we get enamored with, the, the, the desires that start happening, the jealousy, the bitterness, like all of those things, we start focusing on all the wrong things. And then we start posting things. When we fall in, we start posting things we should never be posting. Um, or um, we, you know, either things that we're saying or how we look or whatever, we start giving into all these things. It becomes a distraction or division, right? Um, it builds fear and hatred in people. So these are the ways that kind of systematically um, Satan begins to work and snatches the word of God um, from us. And when we don't have roots, that's the problem. There's a story uh, later on in Mark, it's also in Matthew, um, and I think Luke, um, where it details out Peter, who is one of the closest followers of Jesus, um, that, that Jesus looks at Peter and he, he says this, he goes, get behind me, Satan. Well, why did Jesus say that to Peter? It was because Peter had this version of Jesus that he loved. Peter had this version of kingdom that he loved, which was really centered around power and how he saw it from a man-made perspective. And he didn't want Jesus to go to the cross. He didn't want that cross-shaped character that Jesus was trying to develop. And so when, when Peter stepped in and was like, I want my own version of Jesus, Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. When Peter says, I want this kind of kingdom and this power kind of kingdom, that kind of language, and, and we want to make Israel great again, whatever, you know, like, not that they use that language, but like, but like, it's like that kind of like thought process and everything consumed with um, empire building and like that kind of power uh, level um, that we see, obviously, from conservatives, liberals, progressives, whatever. We see all that from everyone. Um, when that's the language and that's the thought process, Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. That's not cross-shaped character. That's not cross-shaped mindset. That's not um, the way we begin to think. And it distorts the vision of God. It distorts what the kingdom is supposed to look like. And then what ends up happening is we stay in step with the self-promoting, self-asserting, self-focused way um, that Satan wants us to be. And so in the end, it's like, you want to see Satan snatch the word? Then join a crowd that's not submitted to the cross-shaped character of Jesus. 
And so then we got to step back. I'm like, all right, am I a part of any of those crowds? Is that how my mind goes towards? The second um, soil that we, we see here is, is the hard rock, all right? Is the hard rock. And we got, we, we've seen this, like if you travel, you, you see where like, oh, something actually grew in between those rocks. And, and, but does it have deep roots? It actually doesn't. What ends up happening is when something comes in, in this case, he uses the example of when sun uh, hits that little plant that began to grow, because it was so shallow, there was no depth to it, that it withers away and it is gone. And so what ends up happening, we see it this way. We saw it in the pandemic. We've seen it in a, in a bunch of different things through politics and everything else is that, when um, something tough happens, when something extreme happens, when um, something unexpected happens, people are like, I'm out. Or when, um, when you're, you're in, like we've had people, like um, if someone's like left our church and, and it's not for a gospel-centered reason, it's like, oh, I didn't like the music or, or Wags, I just didn't like the style you preached in or, or I didn't like that you talked about this, whatever. It's never been about Jesus. It's never been about anything really deep. It's, it's always been shallow things. Um, and in those shallow things, it's like, oh, wait, hold on a second. Um, something's missing here. And so uh, we begin to see how we begin to approach even church. And, and listen, I get it. Sometimes people leave for good reasons, and it's okay. Um, sometimes like you, you got to find the right community for you, and, and that might happen here even within ours. Um, but, but my point is, is like everything stays shallow, and it's just like, oh, one quick thing, and I'm out. Oh, one quick thing. And so, so then what we begin to see is that a lot of times that happens because so much of our faith is built on emotion. And one of the things that I wrote down here is that intense and emotional moments don't necessarily grow roots. All right. So um, if you have intense emotional experiences in the context of your faith, are those good things? Yeah, they're really good things. Can they be a catalyst to roots? Yes. But if you're just looking for the next extreme emotion, you'll never grow roots. It'll um, stay shallow within it. And then what ends up happening when that shallowness is there, that means that we're not willing to surrender our will. Um, and so there's disobedience there. When that shallowness is there, um, if something hard comes, um, we're not um, able to like handle it and have the right perspective. Um, following Jesus does not mean your life is going to be easy. does not mean you won't have suffering. It doesn't mean any of those things. It just means we have hope in the midst of that. But we need a depth in our faith to be able to understand that, to be able to persevere, to be able to be uh, resilient. And when, and when I was going to say earlier too about that disobedience part, when that disobedience um, disobedience begins to happen in us, everything begins to change in our perspective. One way I was thinking about it was this, is that um, disobedience dulls our sensitivity to the Spirit of God. And so is that soil for you? Are you soil number two right now? And you have, there's this dullness to the Spirit of God that's moving. Uh, soil number three uh, is the thorns, all right? Soil number three is um, the thorns. And what we begin to see here as he's describing it is, that people, um, that stuff starts growing and your faith starts growing. But what ends up happening is the things of life, the concerns of life um, overtake your faith. So it could be like work, money, kids, friends, hobbies. It could be things. All, all the things I just named are good. Right? They're good things, but they can, be, they can become bad things and actually distract us from the things of Jesus and, and literally like choke out the word of God in our lives. Um, I've seen this. I've seen families, right, who get so into different things with their kids. And let's just say it's travel sports. It's easy. Travel sports is easy. I'm not, again, I'm not saying travel sports is bad. It's just like you can get so into it 
that it chokes out the word of God in your family's life because you have no community, you have no connections to church, and um, you're not growing in your faith. Like the community that you have is fine. Like and you know parents, you know people and everything, but it's not transformative. You aren't digging into the depths of your soul within that context. There's no discipleship happening within it. So it chokes out uh, the word of God in our lives or you're consumed by worry and fear of the things that are happening around us. You're like, oh my gosh, um, it's all going to hell and everything else. And, and listen, are things bad? Yeah, they're bad. Have things gotten worse recently? Sure, they've gotten worse. But again, if you pick up the Bible and read, it's like, ah, it was really bad back then too. And so we, but we get consumed by this worry or fear and it can choke out uh, the word of God in our lives. Wealth is another one that um, he puts out. And, and I wrote about wealth and greed this way, is that greed will always place us on the outside of what Jesus desires for us. Greed will always place us on, like, on the outside of what Jesus desires for us. And so even him talking about wealth, he, he wants us to handle our money well, right? To be generous people. Like for instance, if it's easier for you to save than it is to give, in mean, saving's good, okay? If it's easier for you to save than it is to give, then, then there is greed going on in your life. There is greed that's there um, in a way that um, is going to end up pushing you outside of what God desires for you with your money. So save, yes, and be good at that, but be great at being a giver and, and generous and being generous. Uh, one of the other things I, I wrote down because I was just processing how we listen and everything was this, that our ears become callous to the word of God when worry has our attention. I'm not saying you won't ever have a concern or that you won't have a fear about something or that you won't be worried about something. I'm not saying that that's sinful. When it overtakes us though, um, when we become so consumed by it, when everything is about fear and worry and division and all that stuff, it's like, oh, that stuff is actually what, um, you think about what Paul writes in Philippians, it's like what we're supposed to fixate our minds on and whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, right? All those things and, and it's like, man, I'm no longer doing that. I'm just simply focused on everything I worry and I'm fearful about. And that's when we see it can choke out the word of God um, in our lives. And so um, I did write down here a few things that um, I also think are just important for us out of these first three soils because the first three, they don't produce anything. They don't produce any fruit. And so um, here's just three things to just kind of think about. One, we can't listen to Jesus if there are other voices speaking louder in our heads and hearts. Okay, we can't even like fully listen um, if if other voices, other news outlets, social media, other people are speaking louder in our heads and our hearts. Um, we aren't listening if we only obey when it's convenient or when it benefits us in some way. So we aren't great listeners if we're just kind of doing what we want or if we like a certain thing, like, oh, I'll obey Jesus teaching there, but I won't obey it over here, then we actually aren't listening. Or we aren't listening when we want things on our own terms, all right? So all of those things create bad soil. Um, we can't produce fruit. The Spirit of God produces the fruit. But what we do is we cultivate the right soil. So those things that I just listed um, about listening, those things, those things prevent us from having good soil. So what's the fourth soil? The fourth soil is sympathus. It is good soil. The fourth soil is the good soil. The fourth soil is the only soil that produces any kind of fruit. And um, what I love about the fourth soil is um, it shows that you're really listening. 
It shows that you're really humble. It shows that you're consistently engaging Jesus. It shows that you're intentionally doing so. It shows like as Jesus gathers the community of people, it shows that you're in community with people. Um, and, and sometimes even in that community, there might be conflict and that's okay because what? As we begin to listen um, to other people's perspectives and grow in that way, it, it allows us to hear the Spirit of God, to experience the Spirit of God on a deeper level. And I love when that good soil becomes cultivated. Um, we see it as addition to our life. But what Jesus says is, oh no, it's multiplication. So when that good soil begins to happen and you're craving God, you're craving to love and serve others, and, and you've got this good soil inside of you that it's not just, it's not just an add-on. It's, not, it, it's more than that, that Jesus multiplies it. Um, I've always used that in a way that when we're generous, Jesus multiplies it. And we see it, right? When you guys have been incredibly generous and, you, and you're really good at this, but when you're incredibly generous, the money that comes in, it helps thousands of more people than we ever realized because it, it multiplies beyond what we could ever imagine. That is the right kind of soil. That good soil is cultivated, again, through humility, community, confession, repentance, grace, and love, and kindness. All of these things cultivating good soil so that the Spirit of God can work in us and produce this fruit that comes out of us. Three out of the four soils don't produce anything that is building the kingdom of God. But the fourth one does, and it does so at an alarming rate. And how does it happen? By listening and having ears to hear. So I end with this, that the secret of, to God's kingdom, because again, he was giving us a secret. The secret to God's kingdom is cross-shaped character developed through humility, cultivated within community, and expressed in our generosity and love towards others. So, are you listening? Do you have ears to hear? Are you teachable? I think it's important for us to pause um, and really be honest, what, what number soil are you? It is, and we all wanna be number four, I hope, um, but guess what? Sometimes um, we haven't been cultivating the right soil. We have been doing the right things, and so it's important it's important to be in a space, but all right, what soil am I really in this moment uh, of time? And how do I become that good soil? What needs to be done? And how do I begin to have ears to hear? Let's pray. God, um, I just pray that we um, will really have ears to hear this morning, um, that we will fully take in um, what you're trying to give to us, that when we begin to process what kind of soil we are, um, whether it's you know, we're hard ground or whether it's, you know, things have been snatched for us because of, we've been so distracted or we've been so consumed by the worries and things of this life. And um, my hope, God, here as people watch and kind of process everything is that um, we will actually take a moment and confess, take a moment, have the humility enough to be able to say, you know what, I'm actually soil number two, um, soil number three or whatever. Um, and God, have the humility to be like, God, I, I want to cultivate the right things. I want to have the humility to um, cultivate the right kind of soil. I want to be within community to be able to do that. I want to have a heart of confession and repentance. I want to, I want to make sure that I'm setting myself up to really um, have the right things in my life, the right people in my life, the right crowds in my life, so that I can listen 
well and hear you well and be the right kind of receptive soil so I can have deep roots in you to produce the kind of fruit that only you can. So God, I thank you so much for your, your work of the Spirit in us. And um, thank you that we can have uh, open hearts um, and ears ready to hear your word. We give this to you in your name we pray. Amen. You guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for continuing to give, whether that's online um, or if you come live you know, here and you give there um, every single week. It's making a huge difference. So um, we're so grateful for that. Thank you so much. Love you all. Um, we will see you next week. Have a great rest of your Father's Day.